You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. When life starts to bear us down, it's easy to put on a hard exterior and hold on to the pressures and stresses at bay. But the Christian doesn't need to become cynical or hard to cope with the world. Like the fish that are in the deep, we possess a power from within, which is able to match and equalize and oppose the pressures that are from without. The Apostle John made it quite clear. Have you ever put on a tough guy look to hide your fears? In today's message, Pastor Dave speaks about the glory of God and how you don't need to put on a facade while facing life's challenges. We're instructed to call upon God for strength when we are weak, and that's often confused with simply shouldering the struggle. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he begins his message, Greater is He. This message seems even stronger now than it was when I was putting it together uh, as things just continue to progress and as we go through it. So the uh, first epistle of John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, the apostle writes, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Wow. Well, here we are. I love this verse. I know many of you love this verse, too, Uh, Mercy Me loved it so much they made a song out of it. And we might be looking at that a little bit later. How many of you have this verse memorized? A couple of you, okay. How many of you use this verse as an encouragement, whether it's to yourself or to another person? And if that's the case, and some of you who didn't raise your hand, then that would explain why so many of God's children have a tendency to live like we're defeated. So many of us live like we've been defeated in life and like we, we walk around and I like to call us Eeyore Christians. You remember uh, Pooh's friend Eeyore? Oh, I'm a Christian. Isn't it great? Praise God. How wonderful. Oh, boy. It's like the devil has made us fallen and we can't get up. Unfortunately, when we do this, we don't realize what we have inside We don't realize the power that has been given to us by God himself. When I was looking at this and I was studying through this, I came across some interesting things. And in 1934, they were called bathyspheres. And they were spherical steel vessels that they used in undersea observation. 
They, they invented these. They had portholes in them so that the scientists could go, go down in the depths of the ocean and they're suspended by a cable from a boat and these were special deep chambers that were designed to cope with the pressures that surrounded them in this environment. It was an extra thick steel case. It would hold the water at bay and the pressure that bear against them. Interesting thing, in 1934, I remember as a kid, I used to go to Atlantic City, go to Steel Pier, and they had the diving bell. People would get into it, they'd go down under the water, and you'd hear them scream and stuff like that. I never went in that thing, no way. Now, my claustrophobia wouldn't have made it that long in there. So. But imagine this. In 1985, using much newer equipment, much more advanced technology, they were able to go 2.7 miles down into the ocean floor to discover the Titanic. Wow. 2.7 miles down. Can you imagine the pressure down there? And as they looked at the wreck, they saw things floating around. They were fish and other creatures. They didn't have a steel plate around them. They were just kind of swimming around there like they were home because they were. They were just having a great time. How'd they do that? Well, according to the anatomy, it was fashioned to apply equal and opposite pressure from within. Their exteriors were soft and pliable, but their inward parts were hard as steel. So what's the application? What am I trying to make a point here? When life gets in the way, when life starts to bear us down, it's easy to put on a hard exterior and hold on to the pressures and stresses at bay. But the Christian doesn't need to become cynical or hard to cope with the world. Like the fish that are in the deep, we possess a power from within, which is able to match and equalize and oppose the pressures that are from without. The Apostle John made it quite clear, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. In other words, Whatever the pressures may be on the outside, the believer has a greater power residing within him. That's good news. That's wonderful news. This is what the Apostle John has been warning his readers about, that the world teaches wrong. There are false teachers and false prophets out there. And in contrast, the word of God by the Holy Spirit teaches truth. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be warned about that. If you remember correctly, a couple weeks ago when we studied 1 John, we talked about being gullible and how we weren't supposed to believe everything that comes down the pike, but we were to test every spirit to see where they came from because there were many false prophets, there were many false teachers that have gone out into the world. John is saying there, hey, there's two basic spirits in the world today. The spirit of God and the spirit of the Antichrist. They're in the world today. and We've seen them. We know them. These two spirits are in direct opposition to each other. One is true. The other is false. 
One is the true living spirit sent to us from God. The other is a counterfeit spirit, which is not of God, but it always disguises itself as the true spirit. And this is the problem. This is the problem that John is now warning us about. John warns us when he said, you hear someone say something, you need to know which spirit's speaking. You need to have discernment, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. We talked about that in great length the last time we studied 1 John. John says, test every spirit. Test the spirits to see who, where they're from. And then he gave us the litmus test. Remember, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. That is the spirit of the Antichrist that you've heard of and is already in the world. We've seen it. You know it. You should be able to recognize it. As soon as you hear it, something should tweak in you and go, that's not right. I don't care where it comes from, even from this podium. You should be able to say, that's not right. There's an error there. The Holy Spirit will give you that discernment. John is concerned. He's concerned about those he's writing to, those Christians, and he's concerned that they might be led away from the true gospel. They might be led into following a counterfeit Christ. And this is scary. And as we read our verses this morning, we see there are three distinct groups that John mentions here. Each of the verses this morning that we study begins with an emphatic pronoun, whether it be in Greek or English, they're the same. The first pronoun is you. John says, you are of God, in verse 4. In verse 5, he says the contrast, they are of the world. And then in verse 6, he comes back and says, we are of God. So you have you, they, and we. Three distinct groups set forth here, and they don't are all the same. So John begins this by saying and calls us little children. Look at verse 4a. He says, you are of God, little children. I love that. Technion, that's what it means. Technion, it really means darlings. I like that. This is an endearing term used by a pastor towards his flock. He's saying, my dear, and you know me, every time I hear that, I, I hear J. Vernon McGee, my beloved. I hear that, you know, because it's an endearing term. He's saying with heartfelt feelings, but it also means those who are of the family of God. Remember, we studied that little children means those who are of the family of God. He starts out with a great encouragement an encouragement that should lift us up and make us feel really, really good. He reminds us of our status with God, the father. You are of God. I like that. You belong to him. You've been bought with a price. Precious blood of Jesus Christ. Why is this exciting for us? Well, for one thing, the child of God doesn't have to fear the spirit of the Antichrist. Even though he were warned about it, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Remember back in chapter 3, verse 24? John said this, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, talking about Jesus, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So we have the Holy Spirit. We've been given to the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? It enlightens our hearts 
with the testimony of who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit does that. It says that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth concerning Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus Christ. John says, you are of God. And he speaks to those who have accepted the witness of God concerning Jesus Christ. Those who have been born again into a living hope. How? By accepting Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. By coming to the cross and confessing your sins and believing that Jesus died for you on that cruel, gnarly cross. This makes you a child of God. Because of this, you have become children of God. You have become members of God's family. John declared this in his gospel, remember? In verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 12, we use it all the time. But as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them he, God the Father, and Jesus, gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in Jesus' name. This is it. He also mentioned it in this letter that we're studying right now. He mentions it in this letter we're studying right now, back in chapter 3, verse 2. He says these things. Behold, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed of what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Beautiful. John continues and says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. He says, you have overcome them. Overcome whom? The false teachers and the false prophets that have come in. You've overcome the world, the flesh, the devil. We are overcomers as we abide in Jesus Christ. So, as children of God, we should live our lives with confidence. We should live our lives with boldness. We should live our lives with authority. Because through the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are overcomers. And truth be told, Satan cannot overcome the children of God, although he tries very hard. Now, doesn't need to be said, but we're all in a struggle. We're in a war, if you will. The war is against Satan and his worldly system. This system is opposed to everything of God. Everything of God, this system is opposed to it. And you can see that on TV. It's opposed to everything that stands that God stands for, this system is opposed to. John just already described this for us back in 1 John 2, 16. He said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. John is warning us, don't look at these things. The world is very appealing to our fallen nature. See, we still carry that falling nature around. We suppress it by the Holy Spirit, but every now and then that falling nature likes to raise its head, you know, and kind of looks around. And it, that worldly thing appeals to our falling nature. It looks good. It appeals to my senses. If I have that, I'll be somebody. It appeals to my pride. But we're told that we're not supposed to love the things of the world. John has already told that in 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love the world and love God at the same time. 
They're diametrically opposed. You can't do it. Many of us try and we fall extremely short. Instead, we're to have victory over the world and its system of thinking. We're to be overcomers in Jesus Christ by abiding in him. You remember this scripture when Jesus was talking to the disciples in chapter 16? He gives them the answer before he gave them the problem. In 16.33, he says, in me, you have peace. In me, Christ is saying, in me, you have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So here we have the answer. If we are in Christ, we have peace because we're overcomers in Christ. Stay in the world. All sorts of things are going to happen to you. All sorts of things are going to come at you. We are overcomers because we abide in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't stop our enemy. Our enemy wants to enslave you again. He wants to put you in the chains that Jesus broke and took care of on the cross. Jesus broke those chains that bound you at one time. But Satan wants to deceive you into thinking that I can give you that something that Christ can't. I can give you something better than Jesus gives you. That's a bunch of bunk. Pure, plain, and simple. All he wants to do is put you back in bondage to him. That's all he wants to do. And if you buy into that, you'll find yourself right back in that bondage. And I can guarantee, folks, I can guarantee, said it before, the first words out of your mouth is, how did I get here? Well, you started following the world. You started dabbling a little bit in the world things. Little things that maybe you did before you were born again. They looked sweet and pleasant. Oh, I can handle that now. Now that I'm a Christian, I can handle that. And so you start dabbling. And next thing you know, the snowball starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So Satan uses the fallen world and he plays against your fallen nature as he lures you and tempts you with false teachings. Has God really said you can't do that? Has God really said that that's bad for you? Show me in scripture where God says that's bad for you. Has God really said that? He tempts us with false teachings. He tempts us with false hope. Follow me and I'll make you something special. You'll climb up that corporate ladder. We just have to step on a few people on our way up. I'll help you do that. Follow me. Yeah. It appeals to our senses. It appeals to our flesh. It appeals to our fallen nature. So we fall for it. John tells his reader what I am telling you today, the same thing John has told his readers, that we are overcomers. We are overcomers. And John repeats it one more time. You'll hear it a lot today, and that's okay. We can never hear it enough. Because, 4C, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is greater than he who is in the world. Satan and all his minions, all his allies put together, God is greater. The Holy Spirit is greater. He has placed it in you. The child of God doesn't have to fear the spirit of the Antichrist. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's our resource to victory. It's the presence of indwelling of Jesus Christ that makes the victory happen and possible. And if we rely on him, he is in you instead of relying on ourselves or the world. 
we'll have victory. But we so many times think, I can do this. I can handle this. Watch this. I'll roll up my sleeves and I can handle this. I can do this. And we find out so badly that we cannot. We cannot. This understanding not only gives me great confidence, but it gives me spiritual power. For walking in the truth, victory is assured to me. As I walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, I have victory over the old nature, over the fallen nature, over the flesh. I have victory over the flesh. It's not wishful thinking. It's a positive statement. It's a fact. Believe it. Believe it. It's a fact. This means that as a Christian, there's no place for fear in my life. We talked about this the other day. Fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. Oh, yes, we do have many spiritual enemies, but not one of them is greater than Jesus Christ who lives with you. So what is Christ greater than? Well, he's greater than any person. He's greater than any place. He's greater than any problem. Christ is greater than any storm that is coming your way or any storm you are in right now. Christ is greater than that. You may be facing a nasty storm. Winds may be blowing, the boat may be rocking, the waves might be coming over the boat. You might feel like you're going to be overwhelmed. You might feel like you might even be sinking. Christ is greater than that. Christ is greater than those waves coming into your boat. He's greater than the little boat you're sitting in. He's greater than the leaks in the boat. He's greater than the air. He's greater than the sky. Don't you remember Mark 4, 39, he arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace be still. And the wind sliced and calmed. God wants to bring peace to your storm today. That storm you're in right now, God says, I'm your peace. In me, you'll have peace. God is greater than any sorrow you may be feeling today. And this is a time of sorrow. Many people are very sorrowful around the holidays. But God is greater than any sorrow you may be feeling in your life today, whether it be a death of a loved one, whether it be a relationship problem, whether it be a disappointment. God is greater. Christ is greater than that. He's greater than any sorrow that you may be dealing with. Right? Remember the words of Jesus in Luke 4, 18? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to do what? Heal the brokenhearted. Are you dealing with sorrow? Is your heart broken today? Christ wants to begin the healing in you. He says, I'm your healer. I'm your comfort. I'm your peace. He wants to wrap his arms around you and draw you real close to himself and tell you that he loves you and tell you that he's got you and nothing's going to hurt you, even though you might have sorrow. And he's going to cry with you. He's going to weep with you. But he's also going to be there. Christ is greater than any situation you can ever imagine. Choose a situation. I don't care what situation you choose. Christ is greater than the situation. Whether it be emotional, physical, or spiritual, Jesus is greater than any situation you might be facing today. You are This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are, what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrasts between light and dark, truth versus lies, and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another because like all of life, 
There is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Be sure to join us again next time here on Assure Hope. Rescue.